Well, if you will, look over to Daniel chapter 7. It's the Lord's table, of course, today. But Daniel chapter 7, as you're turning there, I couldn't help think of what of what Shannon read in Psalm 128. The Lord bless you from Zion, which would be Jerusalem. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. And may you see your children's children Peace be upon Israel. Certainly as, as we look over to Daniel 7, everything we're going to be articulating is for believers and even for a revived Israel at the end of time. It says in the book of Revelation, it says in the book of Romans that there will be a, a revival amongst the Jewish people and you'll hear a little bit more about Jerusalem today. You know, I was thinking when Shannon was up there that I think the first time I ever came to a service at Grace Church of the Valley was when Shannon preached. I remember Shannon, I think I drove up with you when I was meeting you and we came up, I think it was in December of 2011 and that led to some of the discussion with the men here but I remember going with you so you're right you did precede me you were on the mission team before I came and we are so thankful for you and your family and your ministry and the mission and the work that is going on there and really around the globe as they come from Sudan and then disperse out of that so so encouraging this morning well if you Look at your Bible. Look, I just want to finish up a section in 13 and 14 today. Daniel uh, saw in the night visions in 713. And behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him, that's the Son of Man, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. May God bless his word. Last week, we began to unpack that thought of the kingdom. Shannon talked about that a lot this morning on the kingdom of God and Jesus being the king. And we begin to look at that phrase there, and it's been all through Daniel. To him was given a dominion and glory in verse 14, and a kingdom. And we noted that there are competing views on the millennial kingdom. There is, and I won't take too long here, post-millennialism. Meaning that the church is to usher in the kingdom through the proclamation of the gospel. And Jesus will come at the end of the millennial kingdom. So in one sense, we're in that now. And we work the gospel. He comes at the end. And then we recognized amillennialism. Amillennialism is the thought as it relates to the kingdom that there's no future kingdom. The ah negates the word millennial. They don't, which is, I said is not really true. They believe in a kingdom, but you're in the kingdom. And there's an aspect of cer that certainly that is true. We are in the kingdom of God. We have been born again into the kingdom of God, but we still await that. They have us in the millennium now. You say, well, how does someone view the end if they're all mill? 
Well, I would just say, we're in, they would say that we're in the kingdom now, and then comes the second coming of Christ, and we go straight away into the eternal state. So kingdom is now spiritually, Christ comes back, and then we go into the eternal state. And then we landed on that premillennialism, the position that I take and our church has taken, that Christ comes pre. He comes at a second coming, and at his second coming, he issues forth both judgment, but we move into the millennial kingdom. And that kingdom is not just a reign in the heart only, which it is, but it is a physical reign of Christ. And so really, we, we kind of just said these, the debate is over, is the kingdom to be taken metaphorically, spiritually, or is that kingdom that he's talking about here and in other places to be taken literally as a literal, physical, bodily reign of Jesus Christ? Now, obviously, I mentioned this is a hotly debated topic, but I took you to Revelation chapter 20, and I noted there that that kingdom, that ideal of the millennium, was a thousand years, and we take that Literally, six different times, it says that we're going to reign and that kingdom is for a thousand years. We call it the millennial, okay? It's Latin for a thousand years. And we would teach that the millennium is the physical bodily reign of Jesus Christ on this earth for a thousand years. So when he reads this morning, may peace be upon Jerusalem, oh, believe me, as I'll show you, I hope, that there will be peace on Jerusalem. And I'm going to connect that to all the Old Testament promises. Now, you remember that we said this is really not an issue to break fellowship over. Certainly, we're a local church. We take a position. We noted that this is a secondary matter, meaning that this is not dealing with salvation. But I would also say, as I said last week, that it's an important doctrine. Some of my fr dearest friends are of a different position than mine. Uh, Post Mill was a dear friend who I've not met, but I will meet him in heaven. His name is Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards was post-millennialism. And you've heard me say probably a couple times from the pulpit, he is revered and regarded as the greatest American theologian that has ever been on this soil, born on this soil, and lived here, okay? He's post-mill. Amill is dear friends, R.C. Sproul, Sinclair Ferguson. They were in the millennium now. And then we go into the eternal state. One time I was thinking, did I ever tell you the story when I was doing a Bible conference with uh, R.C. Sproul? I was doing Truth in Life at the Master's University. I did it with MacArthur and Sproul. And right before we went up on stage at the Master's University, I, I leaned over to R.C. and I said, R.C., listen, we're going up for a Q&A. I said, make sure if any of the questions come over to eschatology, give them to me, is what I told them. Yeah. He, of course, laughed. He, is a, he is a, was a dear statesman of the truth, a stalwart for the truth, but was, was all millennial, premillennial, 
in our camp is a guy, you've heard of him by the name of Spurgeon, yes. He was premillennial. And then, of course, maybe my favorite is John Mack, John MacArthur. We believe and teach Revelation 20 is a literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ with the saints. So lest you hear this, I don't want to get overly academic and pedantic today. You will be there. You will be reigning with Jesus Christ. So give me all ears today because I'm not talking about something ethereal. We're talking about something that we see come out of the word of God. And I would say that the doctrine of the millennial kingdom of our Lord is an absolute major truth. Whatever you hear me say, it's probably one twentieth of what I could say out of the scripture. It is so replete in the scripture that it would be impossible to do that here in this message. And I want you to be a noble Berean with me, okay? And let's look at the subject of the kingdom, okay? And I say a noble Berean, I don't know if all of you are of the persuasion that we teach and preach from here. We're glad you're here, but let's be a noble Berean together. Let's not split hairs over this. But why don't you do this? Why don't you just sit and walk with me through the scriptures? And I'm going to do something a little different today. I got a lot of these scriptures on PowerPoint. I don't really like to do that. Shannon, you probably don't like to preach with that. Or they kind of get in the way and they will probably get in the way of me. But I'm putting them up there so that you could be a noble Berean and you can tell me what you think about all these Old Testament promises that were stated explicitly about the reign of somebody on the Davidic throne, which we believe is Jesus Christ. Now look at the map we've been following the last couple weeks is three assurances of God's sovereignty over the nations. He rules over them. And the coming kingdom of Christ. And it should inspire hope rather than fear. So this should encourage us. And we've looked at and we stopped at the second one. But the first one was the first powerful assurance of God's sovereignty is the revealing of God's prophetic will over all human kingdoms of the world. That was in 7, 1 through 8. We looked at the four beasts coming out of the sea. We left off in two that that second powerful assurance was the revealing of God as judge over the final history of the world and the coronation of the Son of Man. God is judge. And you remember, look at verse 11. And I take it in sequence. He said, I looked and then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. It's addressing the second coming. It's addressing Daniel's 70th week. We'll get there in Daniel 9. That the beast and the false false prophet in Revelation 19 will be thrown into the lake of fire. But you'll note again, look at verse 14 and here's what we'll unpack. And to him, obviously the son of man, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples and nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that, has, that shall not be destroyed. And so here, we're gonna, you're going to say a kingdom 
okay? What kind of kingdom? What's the kingdom going to be like? Obviously, we talked about the millennial reign, but what I want to talk to you today, and I had to stop here for you. We'll pick it up next week. What is the kingdom? And here, out of the scripture, let me just give you three characteristics and three features that will mark this kingdom. And it's right here in Daniel. So I'm trying to exposit for you so that we don't just fly so high that we never say anything specific. And I really hope that it encourages your own heart because our heart isn't here, is it? We're just pilgrims. We're strangers. We're just passing through. We have a king, Jesus, who we trust is on the throne of our own hearts. And maybe that's not the case for some of you. And I would ask that you would repent today because he is the king of kings. But we also teach out of the scripture that one day he's gonna rule in his kingdom. So let's look at those characteristics. Number one, his kingdom will be unlimited in its authority over the whole earth. His kingdom will be unlimited in its authority over the whole earth. And I'm just drawing that from 714. To him, the son of man. Well, what is the son of man came to the ancient of days. And he's presented before him. And we tie that into a second coming when the son of man was coming down with his angels. But at that second coming, as he brings justice, he will be presented before the ancient of days. And it says, and to him, here's the word, was given dominion. Now stop there. In the millennial kingdom... Okay, in that reign of Revelation chapter 20, we and I see here that he's given dominion. The idea is he will have authority over the whole world. Jesus Christ, as he comes to the Ancient of Days, is given dominion. He's given authority. Now certainly I know and you know that he was rejected as the king when he first came. He's still the king, but he was rejected. In Mark 15, Pilate said to the crowd, what shall we do with the man that you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out, what? Crucify him. They crucified the king of kings. We, of course, know the backstory there that he came as a servant and he came to die. But when he came at his first coming, they crucified him. But beloved, at his second coming, Revelation 19, as he comes again from his mouth, a sharp sword, which to strike down, I just want you to see this, the nations. And do you see that? He will rule them with a what? A rod of iron. You say, Scott, what, what do you mean? He's going to rule. He's going to rule the nations with a rod of iron. And I think you would agree with me. We certainly don't see that now. But at his second coming, that's Revelation chapter 19, he's going to rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. 
He's going to set up that kingdom and that's Revelation 19 and I read to you Revelation 20 six different times. It spoke of the millennial kingdom. You say, well, Scott, what are you getting at? Here's the scripture. Christ rules in the millennial kingdom. I want you to know that physical, literal, 1,000-year reign, and he doesn't rule partially, okay? He doesn't rule democratically. He rules, I'm reading here in 714, with all dominion. He will rule with unlimited authority as the king of kings over the entire earth. Won't that be a good day? Look, in fact, look down at chapter 7 in verse 27, and we'll see it again next week. Watch this, 727. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven, the whole heaven, other places, the whole earth, shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, and his kingdom will be what? An everlasting kingdom and all dominions. The idea would be all authorities shall what? Serve him. They're going to serve him in the millennial reign. We're going to rule with him. So you need to listen. You have a part in that if you're in Christ. We will reign with Christ during this millennial Look back, will you, just at Daniel 2. You've been so patient to wait to this point. But look back at Daniel 2. This is very consistent with the statue that was there in the, in the desert there, in the plains of Dura. But look at 2.34, Daniel 2.34. And as I look, the stone was cut out by no human hand and it struck the image, you remember that, with all the different metals. It struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold, all together were broken in pieces and became like chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and here it is, it filled the earth. It filled the earth. At the end times, at the end of the age, as Shannon mentioned, at the end, time, at the end of the Gentile domination, Jesus Christ is going to destroy all human authority. Now, he quoted today early on, and I'll quote it here, Jesus, in commissioning the disciples in Matthew 28, said that all, what? Authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Now, he, and then he sent them on a mission. And certainly, in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, in his ascension, he inaugurated, if you will, the kingdom. The kingdom of God is in your midst, he preached. He said the kingdom of God is at hand. It came in his ministry through his death, burial, and ascension, but I think this kingdom that we're describing is not consummated yet inaugurated then but it's not consummated and it's why Jesus told us to pray and you can finish it with me thy 
kingdom what? Come. So we're in the kingdom now, yes, but we're praying thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it's already done where? In heaven. This scripture has always led me. It's in Hebrews. Look at the next slide. It says there, in putting everything in subjection under his feet. That was at his death in Ephesians. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. He's in sovereign control. But at present, the writer said, we do not yet see everything in what? Subjection to him. I mean, I don't need to go on. I could pontificate here in the sense that it's not under his control. I just checked the other day, Hamas has just sent over since, what was it, October 7th, 10,000 missiles into Israel. Jesus, not everything is in subjection to him. But one day, beloved, Revelation 19, Matthew 24 and 25, at his second coming, Christ will rule the world, here's the point, with unlimited authority. He will be in charge. He said in Matthew 19, 28, he said this, I believe he was speaking to the disciples, I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious, what? Throne. What I'm telling you in the premillennial package is we take that literally. Literally. That is not in our mind, in my mind, subjective. That is not metaphorical. He will sit on his glorious throne and you who have followed me also will sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And so he spoke of that. You don't have this one up on the slide, but in Matthew 25, 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. You say, well, Scott, what, what do you mean a throne? This is the kingdom that was promised to David in 2 Samuel 7 that David's seed would have a throne and a kingdom forever. In fact, it says this in 2 Samuel 7, 16, your house, speaking of the Davidic kingdom, the Davidic covenant, your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever and I would just say that has not been fulfilled in Solomon at the height of the reign, nor in anyone else, but it will be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He becomes the Davidic seed, if you will, in his family and will carry on that throne. Let me just give you some scriptures as to why I think this and why the scriptures teach this. In Psalm 2, 6 through 8, but as for me... And I'm just asking, is this metaphorically and spiritually? I don't think so. I, it says, I've installed my king. He came to the ancient of days and was given to him dominion. And here in Psalm, I've installed my king upon Zion, upon my holy mountain, 
usually the place of Jerusalem. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. That certainly is New Testament. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will surely give the, what? The nations. The nations become part of his inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. We still await that to come. It says this in Psalm 72. Think about this millennial kingdom. In the days, may the righteous flourish and peace abound. Still praying for that. Till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth and may desert tribes bow down before him and enemies lick the dust. I believe that's gonna happen. I believe that we're gonna see the fulfillment of that from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. You say, well, Scott, what are you talking about? Last week in the millennial kingdom, it's gonna be a thousand years and King Jesus is gonna be on his throne. How do you read this in Isaiah chapter two in verse two? It shall come to pass in the latter days, okay, that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains shall be lifted up above the hills. And it says that the nations shall flow to it and many peoples shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion... Jerusalem shall go forth the law, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And I take it literally. He shall judge between the what? The nations and shall decide disputes for many people. And they shall beat their swords, look at the language, into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not, be, shall not lift up sword against nation. Are you kidding me? Look at it. Shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. I'm shocked. There's coming a day, beloved, in the millennial kingdom at the second coming as he comes premillennial that he sets this kingdom up and he will rule. Literally, physically, from Jerusalem and we will reign with him and they're not going to be fighting each other. You say, well, how could that happen? Only in the millennial kingdom, right? In Isaiah chapter 9, certainly you know the beginning of it. For to us a child is born and to us a son is, what? Given. How about this one? And the government shall rest on his shoulder. They crucified him. He came to die in your place and maybe it's fitting as we go into communion that this place ought to be a house of worship. That you ought to be stunned that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the second person of the Trinity condescended, if you will, and came down and took on the form of flesh and became a man. And we get to remember that in the cup and his body that we celebrate today. But you remember he's called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be what? 
no end. I can't wait for this day. I can't wait for this day. And whatever you do, Grace Church of the Valley, do not get so consumed here and now that you forget and that your children know and that your grandchildren know we're preparing for the kingdom. It says there'll be no end and on the throne of David, he sits on it, not just metaphorically, not just spiritually, he sits on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it. I love this. Characteristics of the millennial kingdom, justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. We await this, do we not? So the next event on our timeline is the second coming, is the tribulation. We'll look at that in Daniel 9. And then we move into the millennial kingdom where he's ruling. Zechariah, you need to look and read there more. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, 9.10. The war horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace to the nations. And I'm just taking it literally. His rule shall be from what? Sea to sea from the river to the ends of the earth. We await that. Isn't that going to be exciting? Zechariah, I'm just, you reason with me, Bereans. Zechariah 14, 9 through 11. I just don't know what to do with this. Unless we're seeing this as a millennial kingdom, the Lord will be king over all the what? The earth. The earth. He's not talking about heaven here. It's the earth and maybe it extends. But on that day, the Lord will be one and his name one. And the whole land shall be turned into, the, into a plain from Geba to Ramon, south of Jerusalem. But Jerusalem shall remain aloft on its site from the gate of the Benjamin to the place of the former gate to the corner gate and from the tower of Hananel to the king's wine presses. And it shall be inhabited, watch this, for there shall never again be a decree of utter destruction. And then this shocking statement Jerusalem shall dwell in what? Security. Security now? I don't think so. 10,000 missiles into Israel when we were there last time with a few people. I think it was 2018. We were standing out on the veranda of the hotel and one of the ladies said, oh, look, there's fireworks off in the corner. And I thought, I don't think those are fireworks we could see at a distance where those scud missiles were coming over and the, the dome was taking them out of the air. But listen, can you believe that? In this millennial reign, King Jesus is gonna rule. He's gonna reign. And Jerusalem's gonna dwell in security. This is the confirmation to Mary in Luke 1. Luke 1, 31, you shall conceive, we know that, and in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. Some called him great in his earthly ministry. Some called him the son of the most high. In fact, you know who called him son of the most high? I believe it's first, was the demons. They, of course, knew he, he, who he was, but watch this, and the Lord God to Mary, will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. That's what we're waiting for, King Jesus, to establish this. You say, is he ruling today? 
Well, no, not, not all things are brought in subjection to him. Jesus evidently, you don't have to look at it now, but has been voted out of the United Nations. Can't bring up his name at the United Nations, though a statue of Zeus, the pagan thunderer of Olympus, is in the vestibule. They got a statue of Zeus donated by my Greek family somewhere in Greece. There's communist nations, Hindu nations, Muslims, Buddhists, Shinto, and they do not regard him. Human political assemblies of, of the world ignore him. But one day, Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back at a second coming, the King of kings and the Lord of lords will come back and every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Listen, don't get too comfortable here. Don't get too comfortable here. Live for the king. So listen, the kingdom number one is gonna be marked by, it will be unlimited in its authority over the whole earth. He's gonna rule. Secondly, I'm gonna put it this way. It will be unique, the kingdom, in its fulfillment. Unique in its fulfillment. Look back at Daniel 7. To him was given dominion, and it was also given to him glory and honor. We know in Romans 1, they do not glorify God in this day. But it says, and a kingdom was given to him. A kingdom. In fact, if you look down in verse 18, verse 18 of chapter 7, but the saints, that's you, of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom Forever and ever, that will be you. And if your children know Christ, they will go and merge into that kingdom. Look at verse 27. I read it earlier, but watch it again. And the kingdom and the dominion, 727, and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom. And all dominions, the thought would be all authority in our first point, this is interesting, shall serve and obey him. Like, it would be awesome if we had a church of a thousand people serving the Lord and obeying him. And if you're obeying him, you're probably serving. In that day, we're gonna be in the kingdom and we're gonna be serving with him. We're gonna be reigning with him and obviously, we're gonna be obeying him. Now, I mentioned there's two aspects of that kingdom. Obviously, there's a spiritual aspect. For me, when I was 14, I bowed my knee to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he occupied that place in my heart where he breathed life into me. And I was placed into the kingdom of God. And that's that reign in my heart that Romans speaks about. I think it's in Romans 14 that there's joy, peace, and righteousness is the kingdom of God. We're in that spiritually. But secondly, as we've been pushing, I believe in the scripture, there's also a literal physical reign on the earth. God in Daniel 7 gives to his son a kingdom, okay? 
not only a spiritual kingdom in the heart, but a unique physical kingdom that Christ will oversee every nation and kingdom. And I take that to be that he's going to oversee all the people who merge into the thousand year reign with him, but only those who are righteous and holy get into that kingdom. And so the kingdom begins with believers and I think made up of all nations, tribes, and tongues. What a what a thought that will be. In the days of, look over at Daniel 2 for a second. Let me show you. I talked about that stone that will smite all the nations. But in 244, I don't think I read this. And in the day of, and in the days, 244 of those kings, I think he's making a distinction between the early kings in Daniel 7 and the later kings of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. When he sets this kingdom up, it will be the last and the end of the Gentile domination where King Jesus will be sitting on the Davidic throne. It shall break, look at it at the end of 44, in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to a, what? An end. This world doesn't just go on. There is a false teaching today that speaks of uh, a preterism. Got to be careful. I don't want to get too definition with you. Not preterism, that the Ah Mills would subscribe to, but a full preterism or a consistent preterism that doesn't even have the end of the world, doesn't have Christ already coming back. He already has come back. And it's obviously very unorthodox teaching. There, it says there in 244, he'll bring them all to an end. Verse 44, and it shall stand forever. Now, what makes this kingdom unique is look back at the text in chapter 7. And I'm still on that second point there. It says that all peoples, the, the thought is nations and languages, here it is, shall serve him. You say, what's going to be preeminent here? The worship of Jesus Christ. He's going to be king. He's going to be sitting on his throne. He will be reigning. And there will be people from all nations, all tribes, and they're serving him, if you will. The worship of Christ is central. In fact, in, the, in Psalm 2, 6, it says, I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession, and then he said in Psalm 2, you shall break them with the rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. He's going to come back and rule and reign. In fact, it says this in Psalm 72, 11, may all kings fall down before him and all nations serve him. I, I, I need a compartment for that. When? In the millennial reign. All the kings are going to bow down before him. All the nations will serve him. It says this in Isaiah. Amazing. He shall judge between the nations. I read a little bit of this early. Shall decide disputes for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. And here it is. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war. What? Anymore. Why? 
because King Jesus is ruling and reigning in this millennial kingdom. What part will you play? Well, the amazing thing is I don't know how it all works out, but you're going to serve according to your faithfulness in the kingdom. Those who enter the kingdom are believers, but he's going to give out rewards of your faithfulness in this day. And that just means that we need to get busy because I just want to go in. I don't care where I am, but I'm going to be serving with him. I'm going to be worshiping Christ, but there is no enemies anymore. Isaiah 11, 9. I, look at this. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I can't wait for that day. In that day, it says there in Isaiah 11, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal for the people's and of him shall the nations inquire and his resting place will be glorious. I, I, I look at all these promises and I'm thinking they come out at least in the New Testament throughout that, but especially in the book of Revelation. It says in Isaiah 66, from new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath, it just, it just, it almost makes me weep. All flesh shall come to worship. Christ will be at the center. Jerusalem will be his headquarters. And all flesh, it says, shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. Micah, it says this in chapter 4 in verse 2. Many nations shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples and shall decide disputes for strong nations far away. And they shall beat, you'll hear that again, their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore, but they shall sit every man under the vine and under the fig tree. No more shall, it says, make, no one shall make them afraid for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken." striking. Nobody's going to be afraid. I, I hope you're not afraid. I don't mean that as a challenge to you. We live in some unique days. Stay with me as we go through Daniel. All I'm telling you is in the millennial kingdom, Christ will be ruling. Christ will be reigning. Christ will stamp out sin as, as children are born over that time. But here, there's no one shall make them afraid for the Lord of hosts has spoken. I just did a funeral this last week for Matt Young's mother and we know from the work of Christ, right, that he defeated sin and death and he defeated the one who held the fear of death. That is the devil. He defeated the devil. And so we as believers don't have to fear that and then one day we'll be in this place. But you say, okay, it, there, it's gonna be regenerated completely. It will be a new world on this earth. I'm not talking heaven. I'm talking the thousand year reign and it even comes to affect the animal world. And maybe you've read things like this. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. 
The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the lion and the fattened calf and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. And it says there, their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat like the ox. Can you imagine that day? All I know is when I was on a safari with Hurley, he took us one to one of those places. And I think I've shared this with you. There's all things in this safari, some of it live. But it was the hyenas that just, I just thought, oh man, I would not want to meet them. And they were throwing slabs of meat, I don't know if you remember Shannon, over the fence and the hyenas were just massively strong. But I wouldn't get into the cage with that thing until the millennial. I'll get in the cage with them, okay? But you just see this. The young shall lie down. The lion shall eat the straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of a cobra. I was just holding my grandson yesterday, Tommy Bo. I'm not going to put him by a cobra hole right now. But you understand that there is coming a world. The world that was promised to Adam in the garden. And where Adam failed, Christ will win the victory. And all of this will be turned over. The weaned child shall put his hand on the Adler's or the viper's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Amazing. Amazing. In fact, in Hosea 2.18, I will make for them a covenant on that day with the beast of the field, the birds of the heavens, the creeping things of the ground. And it says, I will, I will, I will uh, you know, abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land, and you will lie down in peace and safety. We await that day. How about this for you farmers in the agricultural abundance in the kingdom? In Amos 9, 13, behold, the days are coming. It always puts it in that prophetic word, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper. I don't know if, I think I just take that, that as quick as the reaper comes, they're plowing for the next crop and the treader of grapes and him who sows the seed the mountains shall drip sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them they shall plant vineyards and drink their wine and shall make the gardens and eat their fruit I will plant them on their land and here's the phrase I will they shall never again be uprooted we're still waiting that out of the land that I have given them, says the Lord your God. Maybe I could capture it this way. Christ will rule over the earth from Jerusalem in peace, in joy, in righteousness, in justice, in obedience, in holiness, in truth. And I'm quoting like, a hundred scriptures right there. In fullness of the spirit, glory will abound. Comfort will be there. There will be the removal of the curse. Sickness will be removed. There's healing. There's protection. There's freedom from oppression. And there's God's presence. It's all going to be there. This is our hope, beloved. So the millennial kingdom is unlimited in its authority, unique in its fulfillment. And I'll be brief here. It will be marked by its unceasing duration. It's unceasing duration. And I can pick that up later in 27. But you'll note in verse 14 of chapter 7, his dominion is an everlasting 
dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. It says that in Daniel 2, 44, he will bring all the kingdoms to an end and then the kingdom of Jesus Christ will stand forever. Here's what Daniel's saying. The ancient of days gives to the son of man a kingdom that is unlimited in its authority, that it's unique in its fulfillment, and thirdly, that has unceasing uh, duration. Every other kingdom that we've looked at is temporal, but his kingdom, amen, shall have no end. And let me just be clear with you, this is just the prelude to heaven, okay? It is just the overture to the piece of mu- music is just the preview of what's to come. The millennial kingdom has phase one. It's this, the millennial kingdom in chapter, chapter 20. And then it moves into what we would call the eternal kingdom and the new heavens and the new earth. That's phase two and that's found just in the next chapters of chapter of Revelation 21 and 22. Listen, I said at the beginning, this ought to bring us comfort, right? In the midst of our chaotic circumstances, the church of Jesus Christ awaits the Savior's return. So I think I would say to you, be fruitful, be faithful. I think I would say to you, get busy. Maybe some of you just need to come tonight because you've never come to our harvest feast. Come with a word of praise. Come to sing praises. We'll eat a meal together. But listen, we're not in the kingdom. We're seeking to extend his kingdom, right? And his glory. And we do that through our threefold purpose.